الجزيرة بودكاست Recep Tayyip Erdogan has spent nearly two decades at the top of Turkey's democracy. We came together for the promise of the century of Turkey. I hope we will engrave this century of Turkey into our national memory with the pride of our republic. And in that time, he's won himself countless supporters. I am a Recep Tayyip Erdogan supporter. My first vote is, and even my last vote will be, for Recep Tayyip Erdogan. And critics. They ruined the country. This is my personal opinion. The country is unfortunately in a terrible situation. On Sunday, May 14th, Erdogan will face one of his biggest political tests yet. Turkey will head to the polls in the first round of the country's presidential elections. And it's highly contested after the last few years. 2021 was marked by a free-falling currency, the lira, and record-high inflation. Devastating earthquakes, which killed more than 50,000 people across Turkey and Syria. Many are still coping with the crisis and a lack of proper shelter on an unprecedented scale. And then there's his main challenger, Kemal Kilicdarolu, who once won an award as Turkey's Bureaucrat of the Year. We are not going to leave the fate of the Turkish Republic to the hands of one person, and no one will accept the words of just one person. But now, Kilic Darolu is the face of a broad coalition representing everyone from right to left, all with the goal of turning the page on Erdogan's presidency. Will they succeed? I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. I'm talking today with Al Jazeera's Sandra Gathman, who's reporting in Turkey ahead of the election's first round. If no one gets more than half the vote, then there will be a runoff later this month. Sandra, it is so nice to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Um, for those who are not familiar with what you do at Al Jazeera, give us a little introduction. Hi, Malika. It's so great to join you on The Take, finally, after so long. I am the host and lead writer of an explainer show online at Al Jazeera English called Start Here. And we basically try to explain complicated, big, fast-moving news stories in as easy a way as possible. Where am I catching you right now? I am in Kaiseri. This is a city right in the middle of Turkey. I'm looking outside my hotel window and I'm seeing snow-capped mountains, Over some ridges in the distance is Cappadocia, which you may be familiar with. It's this beautiful touristic hotspot. And I've come here because in the last elections in 2018, around 70% of people voted for President Recep Tayyip Erdogan. And we've come here to essentially find out whether that level of support is still the same or whether, because of many reasons, that support has dipped this time around. Mm. You used to live in Turkey, and so you're back now, after a stint away, reporting on this election for Al Jazeera. So set this scene for us. Is the election everywhere? It is. You know what, Malika? The first time I moved to Turkey in 2015, it was an election year. In fact, it was an election week. (laughs) And I was wowed by the flags that were just decorating every single street I walk down. And it's the same this time. 
you know, I've covered a lot of elections in my time as a correspondent, and no one does elections like Turkey. I know that the candidates have their own campaign songs, and I want to play a little because it's really hard to imagine without hearing it. So this is the campaign song for Recep Tayyip Erdogan. So Erdogan's has a little pop music flavor, like I can kind of bop my head to it. Here is his opponent's campaign song. Have a listen to this. So it's a little bit more dramatic, kind of swelling, and that's a campaign song for his main opponent in this election, Kemal Kelic Darolu. And talk to me about how you would hear these campaign songs. Is this a thing that everyone recognizes once they start to hear the first few notes? Oh, yes. I can't tell you how many times I've heard both of those songs in uh, in my time here already. When you go to kind of the central squares um, in a city in Turkey, you'll see a lot of campaign tents and they will all be blasting their campaign songs from their tents. And often they are side by side. <laughs> so it can get very, very loud. And sometimes you'll see groups of supporters of either party dancing and waving flags <laughs> outside of those tents. So there's definitely, definitely an election atmosphere. And those songs really add to that. Mm. So after 20 years in power, first as prime minister and now as president, the world has gotten to know Recep Tayyip Erdogan quite a bit. We are working to make our country an island of peace from its eastern borders to its southern borders, from its western borders to its northern borders, and territories beyond which are in our sphere of influence. What is he most known for within Turkey? Well, that depends entirely on who you ask. For people who support the president, he's someone who came to power after decades of very high inflation, and they see him as someone who oversaw Turkey's economic recovery and boom in the early 2000s. Someone who spent a lot on building infrastructure, transport systems but also someone who championed the rights of Muslims in Turkey. One thing you'll hear a lot of his supporters saying, and they've told me this time and time again, is that he made it possible for women to wear the headscarf, the hijab, in public spaces. I will vote for first time in this year. Um, I'm going to vote Recep Tayyip Erdogan because uh, some values is uh, so important for me and for my family. Uh, first, my hijab and uh, my in my region evolves. Another example is that he's lauded for his support of other Muslim majority countries and is seen as a champion for the Palestinian cause. But if you ask his critics, they often have quite a diametrically opposite view to that. Hmm. They say he's responsible for Turkey's democratic backsliding. And Turkey does score pretty low when it comes to international indices on things like judicial independence and press freedom, for example. Um, some people will tell you that under his government, there's also a lot of nepotism and they feel that they can't get as far um, as if they had been loyal to the ruling party, for example. So it really depends on who you ask. Here in Kaiseri, we've heard a lot of supportive comments about President Erdogan. And I think most of them are pretty confident he'll win again. So there are a few different candidates taking on President Erdogan, but let's talk about his main opponent, 
Kemal Kilicdaroğlu. Türkiye'nin bütün sorunlarını biliyorum. I know all of Turkey's problems. We know them all and we will solve them all. We have the knowledge, we have the experience and we have the strength. He's the leader of the CHP or the Republican People's Party and he's run against Erdogan before and lost. He is now edging ahead in the polls this time around. So tell us about him. What should we know? What is his reputation like? Well, first I'll paint a picture because Kemal Kılıçdaroğlu is often referred to as Gandhi Kemal because he looks a lot like Mahatma Gandhi. Um, he's 74 years old. He's considered to be a very quiet man, a sort of quiet achiever. He comes from a very rural family, the first out of his seven siblings to go to university. And he, as leader of the CHP, the main opposition party, was seen to have modernized that party because the CHP carries a very strong association with the policies of Kemal Ataturk, the founding father of modern Turkey. And this party believes quite staunchly in a secular state. Under Kemal Kılıçdaroğlu, he's seen as someone who modernized that image and made it appear to be a more inclusive party and changed that kind of hardcore association with secularism. And proof of that is the fact that he is allied with five other opposition parties. The thing about Kılıçdaroğlu is that there isn't an overwhelming level of confidence behind him because every time he's run against Erdogan in the past, as you rightly said, he's lost. And some people I've spoken to say that they would have rather a different opposition candidate, for example, the mayor of Istanbul, Ekrem İmamoğlu. He couldn't run as the main opposition candidate because he was recently put on trial for having insulted a public official. Mm. So Kemal Kılıçdaroğlu is the main opposition candidate, but it doesn't mean that he was necessarily a shoo-in for that role. Mm-hmm. So not a shoo-in, but the person that's being put forward by this wide range of parties who've come together to field one candidate. Who is in this alliance and what is exactly bringing them together? That's right. He's convinced five different parties to take part in this coalition. They are all from different backgrounds, from the right, from the left, Islamist, secularist parties, including the former prime minister, Ahmed Davutoglu, who used to be in Erdogan's AK party. Mm. So this is a very strange coalition for a lot of people. But what unites them is that they are campaigning for change. More on the issues dividing voters after the break. I'm Kevin Hurton, host of our documentary podcast, Al Jazeera Investigates. We've got a new series called Gold Mafia, where we expose some of the biggest smugglers and money launderers in Africa. Look for a new episode wherever you get your podcasts. I'm speaking with Al Jazeera's Sandra Gathman. She's currently traveling around Turkey, hearing what's on the minds of voters ahead of Sunday's election like these first-time voters in Istanbul. My future, my education, my economic freedom, the ability to buy whatever I want, whenever I want. It's the economy, unfortunately. I've never seen such high inflation before. I will cast my first vote for Recep Tayyip Erdogan because he's protecting our nation and our country and he's doing a good job. 
So in Istanbul, we spoke to mainly young voters, both at the ruling party rally, the opposition rally, but also in the streets. And depending again on who you ask, they had different things to say. But in terms of those who were most critical of the government, they basically are so thirsty for a change. Many of them told me that, you know, it's a matter of swiping down your Instagram feed and looking at how young people in other countries live their lives and reflecting on their own lives and their lack of economic freedom, as they put it. So Sandra, as you mentioned, I am catching you in Kayseri, in central Turkey. It's a bastion of support for Erdogan, or at least it has been. What have people there been telling you about this election? It's still that bastion of support? I've spoken to so many people in the short time I've been here, young, old, men, women, people in the city, people in the countryside. And I think it's very clear that this remains a bastion of support for President Erdogan. But some people have also quietly told me off camera that they're either undecided or they may vote differently, but didn't tell me who they were going to vote for. <laughs> I think a lot of people are struggling. And those who support Erdogan and the ruling party tend to blame other factors, not the government, for the state the economy is in. I know that you went to the city's old bazaar um, and talked to people there. First of all, set the scene, because if you haven't been to a Turkish bazaar, you are really missing out. It is a sight to behold. So talk to me about what you saw, what it's like, and what people told you. So you walk into the old bazaar, which has very dark stone walls. They're very narrow alleyways, and you can find just about anything there. There are neon signs everywhere, Turkish flags hanging everywhere. Everyone is absolutely lovely. As soon as you sort of ask them for an interview, there's a little bit of shyness there. But Mm -hmm. I think it goes to show how important, perhaps how tense as well, these elections are. So this man was selling fake designer t-shirts in the old bazaar with his son. I'll vote for the party who's in government, Reis, because Reis is a leader that defends the rights of Muslims. For us, economy comes second. It was interesting because I asked how his business was doing and he said he's struggling. But he said that everyone in the old bazaar was struggling, that the whole country was struggling But he did add that, you know, the economy has ups and downs. He doesn't really have an issue with the state of the economy. He says the biggest problem is that Turkey is slipping from our hands, in a sense saying that he thinks, you know, a lot of nefarious foreign actors are causing the tough situation the economy is in. We spoke to Sumeye, who was selling food in a quiet corner of the old bazaar. It was an easier choice in the previous election. Everything was clear. Everything was in its place. But in this election, that's not the case. She really can't make sense of this election, um, of the issues. She said that really it's, it's a matter of believing one side over the other, of trusting one side over the other. So there are a few reasons why many think this is a close election, and one of them is the state of the economy. Do people you talk to point to Erdogan as the source of that trouble? Or is this are these post-pandemic or mid-pandemic woes that everyone's feeling, the inflation that everyone is feeling? 
Again, it depends who you speak to. People who support the president say that Turkey is the victim of nefarious foreign actors who don't want to see the country progress. And the fact that Turkey's been through a pandemic like the rest of the world, as well as those devastating earthquakes back in February that's really hit the economy. So they prefer to blame a mix of factors, but Erdogan and the ruling party's critics will point to the fact that he stuck to very, quote, unorthodox economic policies, keeping interest rates down, for example, that have meant the lira has devalued to such a large extent mm. and salaries haven't exactly kept up. This was President Erdogan back in October as inflation hit its peak. Overcoming the inflation issue, which we have been feeling the impact of for a while now due to global factors, God willing, we will build Turkey's century altogether. In the meantime, the global economic crisis continues to wreak havoc on the world, always making way for new problems. You mentioned the earthquakes that rocked Turkey earlier this year. Erdogan's government came under quite a lot of criticism for how they handled both the response to the earthquake as well as the conditions that led to such devastation. He has promised to rebuild the area within the year. How do you think the fallout from the earthquakes might affect the vote? You know what? That is the question that I have, and I'm going to go to the earthquake region in a couple of days to find that out for myself, because from what I'm reading, it's quite hard to tell. Definitely the earthquake response by the government has been a hot button issue in this campaign. So I think we're going to see a mix of reactions, but certainly which way the vote is going to swing, how many people are going to be able to go back to their registered polling centers, how many people were able to register before the deadline. Those are questions that I think everyone is going to keep a real close eye on on the election day. So, Sandra, Turkey is deeply polarized about this election. If no one wins outright on May 14th, this election will go to a runoff. But after election day comes and goes, how do you think that kind of divisiveness might play out in Turkey? I think that is a worry that a lot of people have and People I've spoken to here in Turkey have expressed that, that if there is no clear winner, they fear that divisiveness might spill out into the streets. And I don't say that lightly because we have seen incidents. I'll give you one example. After Erdogan's final rally, I was standing on the platform with a huge crowd of AK Party supporters and it was packed. We were waiting for a train to arrive. And when it didn't, people were shouting angry slogans against Istanbul's mayor, Imamolu, who is an opposition politician, saying that it was his fault the trains didn't arrive on time. Now, we can't prove that it was, but it just goes to show you how much people are blaming and putting on the other side. And I think that whatever happens, that divisiveness is is going to remain and both sides may blame each other for all kinds of things. And that's The Take. We'll be back on Monday. For more on Turkey's election, be sure to follow aljazeera.com and check out Sanders' coverage on Instagram. The link is in the show notes. This episode was produced by Nikin Oliay and Sonia Bagat, with Khalid Sultan, Amy Walters, Chloe K. Lee, Ashish Malhotra, Miranda Lynn, and me, Malika Bilal. 
Adam Abugad and Monira Al-Dosari are our engagement producers. Alexandra Locke is The Take's executive producer, and Ney Alvarez is Al Jazeera's head of audio.